All right, let's, uh, let's uh, go ahead and get started. Um, I guess we'll start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get started with our lesson. But everyone bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are a good God who gives good gifts to his people. We thank you, Lord, that in your love you have condescended to show us something of yourself, that you do not remain aloof, but you teach us about yourself and allow us to know something of you so that we can worship you better. As we study your, as we study this book, Lord, I pray that you give us ears to hear, give us hearts of flesh, not hearts of stone. And Lord, as we study, as we study you together, may we be edified and enabled to do your good work and uh, help us also prepare for your day um, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the question that we're going to ask today is what exactly are emotions? Uh, so the, the point of our study is what are emotions? And there are two schools of thought. Well, first of all, Josh, I'm going to have you go ahead and look up Romans 12, 9 through 15, and be ready to, to uh, read it when I tell you. Because I have that authority up here. Um, and then for Lauren. Lauren, if you were to look up Matthew 22, 36 through 40, and be prepared to read that when I tell you. What, what were my uh, 12, 9 through 15. You need to be a better student and listen. <laughs> we'll get to that. All right, so what exactly are emotions? There are um, there are two schools of thought on emotions. One, that emotions are something to be mastered. So emotions begin in our bodies and must be mastered by our mind. The other school of thought says that our bodies are controlled by our mind and our mind is what drives emotion. So this is basically a, a hakuna matata type thing. If, you're, if you want to change the way what you do to change the way you think, okay? Be happy you know, forget what's going on around you. So, but there are, there are some problems with these, schools of, with these schools of thought. The first problem is that emotionally you really can't tell at times where your emotions come from. Are they originating from your mind? Are they originating from your body? Because we have to remember that God didn't make us completely mind or completely body. He made us to be mind and body, holistically. So to try to tease out where our emotions start from or originate from um, is really kind of pointless because, again, we are not purely mind or purely body. The second problem with these schools of thought is that they don't actually answer the question. No matter which schools of thought you hold to, it doesn't answer the question, what are emotions? So being good Christians, where do you think we should turn for answers? The Bible, okay? The Bible is where um, we should turn as Christians. But here, we hit a snag, okay? Because the Bible is not really interested in giving us encyclopedic definitions of things. The Bible doesn't care about that. Think about how well the Bible explains concepts like the incarnation. It really doesn't explain it that well. It just says Jesus was fully God and fully man. 
figure that out yourself, okay? Or the, the, uh, the, um, the uh, Trinity. The Bible doesn't really explain a lot about how the Trinity works. It just says, here's the Trinity, figure it out yourselves. So that, again, we're not looking at the Bible giving us an encyclopedic definition of what emotions are. But what the Bible does do, and why we have the Bible, is that the Bible is written to be a guide for us on how we should live as redeemed people in relationship with God and others. So how then do we live? We were sinners. We've been saved by this great gift of God. How then do we live? So rather than ask the question, what are emotions, and expect an answer, God, like he often does, asks us or tells us that you're asking really the wrong question. You shouldn't be asking so much what emotions are, but why you have them at all. What do emotions do? And of course, that has to be um, answered in the context of building your relationship with God, building your relationship with others. So as we look at the scriptures today, we're going to see that, the, that emotions do four things. One, they, com they communicate value. Two, they help us connect. Three, they motivate us. And four, they turn us toward God. So the first thing we have here is emotions communicate value. What's, uh, what's an example in the Bible you can think of where um, Jesus communicated emotion? He wept. Very good. John 32, 36. And uh, we'll read that. But good, good job, Alicia. You get a gold star for the day. They don't mean anything, but you got one. So we'll turn to John 32, 36, and we'll read that. Not 32, 36. I messed that up. Anyway, I, must, I put the wrong scripture down. <laughs> that happens. But anyway, yes, Alicia is right. Jesus wept. And if you read that part of the Bible, everyone looked at him and said, Jesus loved this person. Why? Because he was crying at the death of Lazarus. And the second, now, the, again, these are not the, I want to stress, these are not the only two examples that we have in Scripture. These are just two that, that I chose to, to highlight. The second uh, example is if you read the book of Nahum in the Old Testament, basically that, uh, he was one of the minor prophets, and that book is just full of judgment and wrath against all of God's enemies. So we have two examples of Jesus showing, of, of God showing emotion. Jesus weeping at the grave of Lazarus and the judgment proclaimed to, the, to Israel's enemies in Nahum. So think about something that you value and love. And husbands in the room, you better be thinking about your wife and not anything else. So, but think about something that you love and value. What happens to you if that person is happy? How do you feel? What happens, what happens to you when that person is sad? Um, what happens if you have an object of great value? that gets lost or stolen or broken. How you feel, the emotions that you communicate, communicate what you value, okay? So, um, you know, so, so we, we have to know that emotions are a good thing. They communicate to people how we feel. So, the second thing that emotions do is they help us connect. 
and this builds on the first point, um, our emotional responses to what we love communicate value to those around us. So whenever you're happy about something, for example, the birth of a child or um, getting married or graduating from college or high school or something like that, when you show you're, that you're happy about something, you're telling people, this is what I value. And you are allowing them to enter into your happiness. I value this, therefore you know that I'm happy. You enter into my happiness. Same thing with being sad. At a, at a funeral, you realize that the, that the people are sad. They've lost something that they love. That, that, that show of sadness allows you to enter into their world and to build, and to build um, a, a relationship. So our emotional uh, responses, good or bad, allow us to connect with the world around us. Josh, read, um, read Romans 12, 9 through 15, please. Okay, thank you. So, that scripture is telling us that we, we connect with people by identifying with them in their emotions. So, when we show emotion, it allows people to connect it allows people to connect with us and us to connect with people. And we see that it's even biblical to do that. When someone is sad, we identify with them in their sadness. When they're happy, we identify with them in their happiness. Again, let's go back to the example that um, Lisa pointed out, that Jesus wept. When Jesus was at, now understand, Jesus, was, Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus like five minutes after he wept, after he wept, sorry proper grammar here but five minutes not probably not even five minutes after he got there Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead and everybody was going to be happy but in that moment Jesus identified with his people you are sad and I am sad and that is how uh, Jesus built relationship even though he knew even though he knew that in five minutes he was going to raise Lazarus. Or parents, think about how you identify with your kids and when they're going through something. And you, when you're parental wisdom, know that what they're going through at the time, in the, light of, in the light of two or three years or even five minutes from now, is not going to be that big a deal. Okay? <laughs> but they're sad. Your kids are sad. You know, or... You know, uh, an older adult telling a, someone who's just gotten married that, you know what, or this people who are just having babies, and they, you see that tired, stressed-out look on the mom's face, and she hasn't gotten sleep in four days, and, you know, and then people who've had babies say, I understand what you're going through, and this will pass. But in that moment, you identify with that person. You identify with that person. I understand that you're tired because I've been there myself. You identify with people, and therefore it, it helps to build relationship. So let's remember that Jesus wept at the, tomb of Lazar at the tomb of Lazarus, but he also was present at the wedding feast in Canaan. 
So Jesus identified with us um, in our emotion. He, 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 he connected with us because he valued what we valued. And something that, that as I was studying for this, something that, 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 that came to mind, a lot, of, a lot of times the church today tries to stay away from teaching about the wrath of God. To say the wrath of God is not something, that's not the loving God of the New Testament. That's the wrathful, evil God of the Old Testament. And, you know, you want to be loving to people, not preach on the wrath of God. But when you read the wrath, when you read about the wrath of God in Scripture, of course, it's never arbitrary. It's always connected to sins committed by his people or atrocities committed against his people. So keeping this in mind, the wrath of God really should cause you to identify more with God. Because if, if we as sinful human beings get angry when someone picks on our kid or when someone picks on our family, how much more should God be that? You know, God should, you know, he sh w when his name is besmirched, God should be angry. And we, because when someone hurts us, we're angry. So the anger of God, far from being something that isolates us from God, should be something that helps us to understand him a, a little bit more because, again, we get angry at things. And, it's okay, and, and, and God gets angry at those things, too. So, um, let's see, Matthew, Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Um, and, and this is a well-known scripture. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So again, um, you know, God uses, God uses emotions to connect with us. Um, the, the third point is very brief. Emotions motivate us. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you a scripture, and I want you to fill in the blank. In blank, he predestined us. Love. Very good. So why did God predestine us? Because he loved us. So, you know, why do, why do we do things that we do for people? Because we love them. You know, um, you know, I love my wife, so therefore I do things for her. We love our kids, so therefore we do things for our kids. We love our church family, so therefore we... Um, we do things for our church family. And that can, you know, I mean, at times, you know, I'm sure we've all done this. You can be especially angry with something and you think, well, I'm going to do this hell or high water because you're angry and that anger in you produces action. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this race or I'm going to, you know, do this or whatever it is. So emotions are given to us to motivate us to do 
to do things. Now, of course, those emotions can also motivate us to do very bad things. Okay? So, for example, you may get angry with, with someone and you may say something that, uh, and your emotions motivated you to do something awful and bad and wrong, but emotions still motivate us nonetheless. And finally, we have that emotions turn us toward God. Um, what is what is a very simple definition of worship? When you worship something, what are you doing? You're just giving adoration or praise. You worship it. Okay. So worship is giving adoration and praise. And when we worship on Sunday morning, that's what we're doing. We are giving God his due. You know, and um, so is there ever a point in our lives when we shouldn't worship? Should our whole lives be worship? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, yes. As long as you're worshiping God, yes. Uh, Romans 12.1 tells us that we are to offer our bodies to be living sacrifices, which is the only acceptable thing we can do. So it's not just one Sunday that God wants, it's everything. Our whole lives are to be sacrifices and givings of adoration and praise. So, um, and we, we, we worship what we love. Okay? So if worship is giving adoration and praise and our value and what we value is communicated by, what we, by our emotions, then it makes sense that may, what makes us happy or sad is what we worship. So, you know, what brings you the greatest joy? But, hold on, uh, Florin, read um, Matthew 22, 36 through 40, please. Okay, thank you. All right, and before I go on any further, does, does, does anyone have any questions or have anything that they want to add. I don't want to be up here commandeering this whole thing. And if y'all want to say something, y'all can too. I guess, so I'll give y'all a choice. Don't feel like you have to. I'm just wa- I just want to give you the option to. Since no one's taking the option, I'll continue. <laughs> okay. But, um, but, but what Florin read, uh, that scripture tells us to love God with everything we have and then for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we can't say that we love God and hate people, right? We can't value one and not the other. Right? It's, just not, it's both and, not either or, right? That's, what, that's the problem that the Pharisees had. They loved the title. They loved being able to go and have all the accolades, but they didn't really love the people. So the, the emotional response to the accolades they received showed what they valued. They didn't value God's people. They valued the accolades they received for serving God's people. Right? So their, their, their emotions communicated what they valued. And because they, 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 they didn't, didn't value God's people rightly, um, then they were, God had to um, to to call them out. And of course, the Pharisees are the classic whipping boys of the, of, of the Bible. You know, we all, we all like to say, well, I'm not as bad as the Pharisees. Um, but remember that 
we can do the same thing. For example, uh, you know, elders and deacons in whatever church you're in can love the title of elder and deacon, but not love the people. All right. Um, I'm sure David could tell you of pastors who love the title reverend, but don't like the actual job of shepherding the flock. Right. Parents, do you love the tax deduction that your children give you, but not like your actual children? Okay. Do you, you know, do you love one and hate the other? Husbands, do you love your wives to their face, but behind their back, you're always telling them telling people how awful your wife is and how she can't cook or how she can't clean or how she can't do this or how she can't do that. Wives, do you do the same things with your husbands? You say, well, my, my, my husband just doesn't make enough money. He's not a good provider. Or he doesn't do this well or he doesn't do this well. So we all have to ask the question, do I love what God loves? Do I hate what God hates? And is that being communicated by my emotions? Are you, are you excited to come to church on a Sunday morning? Does it sadden your heart whenever you miss a day amongst God's people? Do you, are you happy to read your Bible every day? Or is it something that you do out of just a, a check mark? You know, do you look forward to your times of prayer? Or do you say, well, you know, I have to pray today so I can check it off my list, but... I don't really want to, to pray, and your prayers become rote and memorized, and they, don't have, they have no passion, they have no fire in them. Right? So, um, you know, am I guilty as a person of violating <coughs> Matthew 22, 36, and 40? Am I loving God and my neighbor and all my emotions communicating that? So our emotions point us to God. Now, we can have misplaced loves at times. Of course, we're sinners. That's why we have the Lord's Day. That's why we have things like the Lord's Supper. That's why we have times of corporate prayer where we can come as a body and we can pray and we can ask for forgiveness because we do mess up. We have misplaced loves. So um, we're all guilty of loving things and people more than God, and we are all equally guilty of placing things in wrong priority. But what we are happy about, and this is something that we all, myself included, have to remember, what we are happy about and what we are angry at communicates what we value. And that rings true no matter what. When we are convicted of misplaced priorities because of our emotional responses, we need to repent, not try to justify ourselves in our particular emotional outburst. And we have to remember, because sometimes people want to try to suppress emotion. They want to say, well, you just need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and forget this, you know, and just push through, just power through. And no, it, emotions are a gift for God for all the reasons listed above. They communicate value, they help us connect, they motivate us, and they help turn us toward God. So as such, our emotions are a way for us to expand the kingdom of God. They're not something to be suppressed. They're not something to be done away with. They're something to be accepted and um, guided so that we can grow the kingdom. 
when you enter into a relationship with somebody who is happy about something, you're given opportunities to minister to that person. Thus, the kingdom of God has grown. Um, you know, again, some would tell us to, to suppress our feelings, but that's not what the Bible says. Our, our emotions are a gift. And God calls on us to acknowledge our feelings and use them to grow, not suppress them in, in, in an attempt to change things. So the next time you find yourself getting emotional, acknowledge them. Don't be scared of them. Just, you know what? I'm sad about this particular thing that happened to me. I'm angry with this particular person. I'm happy at this particular event. Examine them, pray about them, and use them to draw closer to God and one another. If you have a wrong emotion about something, bring that to the Father and ask him for forgiveness. Because emotions are not our enemy, and they're given by God so that we can worship God with them and that we can grow and build his kingdom. So with that, I'll take questions, or, well, any questions you can ask Josh, but uh, questions, comments, or Whatever, we have some time. Yes. Or like say you go for like two or three weeks without reading your Bible or without praying. You say, man, oh, it's been so long and I just feel like, you know, well, just repent. So it's been two or three weeks since you read your Bible. Repent. You know, God is there to forgive you. God hasn't left you because, oh, well, Sarah McCoy didn't read her Bible for three weeks. See you, Sarah. You know? I mean, um, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't leave us because we don't do everything that he says. He sits there with open arms waiting to receive his children back to him. So if it's been a while, just repent and come back and just, do, you know, do, do what you know you have to do. And again, like, you know, like Jacob said, don't get, don't get hung up because the devil loves to get you, you know, in uh, situations like that. Well, I can't go to church today. You know, it's been a few weeks, and I just, I feel like I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I can't be around God's people right now. But when you feel like that, being in church is exactly where you need to be. You know? So, yes, Jacob, that's, uh, that's a very good thought. Any other thoughts or comments? Oh, right. Right. Exactly. And it's trusting that God you know, that, like, like you said, God, God, if I do this, God's going to use this to change me. Not probably not in that moment. But, you know, we all have to ask the question, do we trust ourselves that God really is working through his means of grace? Is God really working through the preaching of the word? Is God really working through reading the Bible? When you take the Lord's Supper, do you believe that by faith, when you take of the Lord's Supper, Christ is really present there in the supper spiritually not physically is that clear okay. this is not transubstantiation but you know christ is there when you partake of the lord's supper by faith christ is there do you believe that because you know so again like, like like lucy said it's just trusting that god is going to fulfill his word using the means that he has appointed lucy you have something you want to say yeah, and that's true. You know, I mean, um, I mean, a perfect example that comes to mind just off the top of my head 
is, you know, a lot, women are a lot better at this than men are, but sometimes for a woman, things, something will just be off. And she can't explain it. You know, if you ask her, well, honey, what's wrong? Well, I don't really know, but I just know that this is wrong. And, but I mean, it's, it's similar to what Lisa is saying. You know, I mean, that's, you know, uh, it's, this, this just feels wrong. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, that, those are indicators. You know, I mean, and, 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 and I can't tell you how many times I've gone to do something and I've looked to my wife and she's like, I don't feel right about this. I, I can't explain why. I know it looks good in this way, but I just don't feel right about it. And I'm like, well, maybe we should just hold off then. And it turns out that was the right decision to make. So husbands, listen to your wife. What exactly are emotions? Uh, what exactly are emotions? That's not the question you, you should be asking. <laughs> if you had listened. But no. I mean. We don't know what emotions right. are. Right. So we have no definition of emotions as yet. Right. Well, that, that, that may come later. But the point, the, point of, the point the author is making in this chapter is that our emotions, we shouldn't really ask what emotions are rather what emotions do in relation to who we are as redeemed people trying to please God. So really asking what emotions are is not the right question to ask. It's what do emotions do? Because the Bible doesn't give us an answer. You know, so the Bible does tell us what emotions do. And they, they do the, you know, these four things. So. I mean, you can ponder it if you if you want to. Oh, okay. I mean, if you want to go home on your private time and ponder what emotions are and write a book about it, then that's fine. <laughs> but, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 But apparently, Josh wants. To, I can. I can hear the wheels in his mind turning right now as he, as he thinks through this very important question. <laughs> but anyway, um, are there, are, are, are there any other comments or questions that we have? Yeah. I mean, um, our emotions can affect us physically, you know. Um, and, and, and vice versa. And that's the point that the, you know, it's, it's hard, the, the point that the author's making is it's hard to tease out at times where exactly those things begin and end. You know, because like Alicia said, is it, are you responding to something emotionally or are you emotional and therefore you respond? It can go either way. And so to sit here and try to parse out in each and every emotional experience where that's coming from, biblically, that's not the question that we should be asking. Now, I mean, that is, that, that is a, you know, I mean, you know, your emotions can originate from either spot. Does that answer your question? Well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, you know, think about when someone asks you, is anything wrong? Because you think, well, I'm fine. But someone looks at you and says, well, what's wrong? Are, are you okay? And, you know, again, 
your face, your emotions are showing in that moment that something is wrong. And so that gives people the opportunity to enter into, you know, to sit with you like Job's friends did, to sit with you, say, what's wrong? And then that helps you to parse out what I said, what actually is wrong. You know, I thought I was okay. It's like, you know, I mean, sometimes when I'm sitting and talking to my wife at night, you know, we'll be talking about something and then that'll bring up something else. And all of a sudden, you know, she's off on this tangent and she didn't think anything was wrong. But by talking, you know, it, and by me asking questions and things like that, it, it opens up that opportunity for us to figure out what's wrong. Because again, we can't, like you said, we can't see our own face. So and I think that's all the time we have. And I want to ask Jacob to close us.